Test one, two, test one, two. Check, 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 check. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve. Nick Reynolds, Steve Harness, and Cousin Brewski. The Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve. Take one. That's us, dude. Welcome to the show. We welcome you to the show. It's The Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve, all of Brewski. What up, you bastards? Thank you for tuning in to our podcast and making us a part of your life. Uh, it's very special to us. I mean, I feel good about it. Thank you. Sure. Are you calling Nick uh, Bruski and I bastards or uh, the audience? <laughs> all of us? Uh, well, when it comes from me, it's a term of endearment. So, yeah, all of you, all of you combined, you're all bastards. I called my son a bastard a few months ago, and he was like, you understand that makes no sense, right, Dad? <laughs> 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 guy's sharp dude i played our uh his episode or you know us talking about crosby for rachel on the podcast and she was yeah. like that crosby dude that is so amazing that he went into that principal right. hidden recorder in hand and held his feet to the fire yeah i want more out of him i uh i played that segment for him on the way to school that next morning and uh he loved it First of all, he never heard a full segment of ours. He loved hearing us talking about him, but he's definitely loved that you guys had his back on his uh, big football <laughs> debate. So funny, dude. Yeah. And Brewski, every clip he hears or whatever, he's more and more of a fan of yours. And he was like, wow, this Brewski really does know what he's talking about. <laughs> like, yeah, certain topics he does. Yes, you're right. <laughs> exactly. We all got to have our strength somewhere. Right. He's an encyclopedia of knowledge. Sometimes we need it. Sometimes we don't. Yep, and that goes for all of us. When yeah. we think we know, you know, we we let it shine, so we look like we must know everything about everything. Yeah, <laughs> sure. we know a lot about some things, and uh, next to nothing about many other things. So <laughs> yeah, about sums up the vocal minority with Nick and Steve Olabruski. <laughs> See our webpage, thevocalminority.net. We have a bunch of socials there around these holiday times. Uh, you're off work. Well, this is a perfect time for you to snuggle up with your favorite podcasts. Include us in that list, please. That is true. Yep. The vocalminority.net and the social medias uh, spread them around. And yeah, it is holiday season. I know a lot of the bigger podcasts are taking this time off. So uh, perhaps we have some new listeners looking for new content. So welcome to the show. But yeah, the, uh, the holidays are approaching and we get together with friends and family and some of which we want to get together with. Often other times, maybe uh, we uh, begrudgingly get together with some people or end up at company parties, uh, the nightmares that those things always are. And a lot of social interactions going on right now. Which we're going to talk about, but I have one question first, okay? Sure, yeah. You can both answer this. How old were you when you started to realize that the holidays weren't great for everybody? Maybe yourself included. You know what I mean? Uh, when I was when I was younger, I used to think like, oh, Christmas, the most magical time of the year. And as I got to be an adult, I realized yeah, through relationships and my own life that uh, Christmas isn't always a great time of year for everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, actually, I actually learned it at a very young age. You did? I, Oh, yeah. I remember the episode of Happy Days when the Fonz was alone on Christmas and he was opening a can of spaghetti and he was going to heat that up. And the Cunninghams saw that and said, no, 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 no. You come and join us for dinner at the Fonzarelli. And it was, that's when it kind of sunk in, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Listen, I, I laugh because this has become a, a topic of my therapy in these last several years. I always understood that people had seasonal depression. That yeah. you know, some people around the holidays they would get blue and whatnot, but I understood it was a thing, but I didn't understand it on any sort of personal level because I have always 
always had joyous holiday seasons. You know, when I was a kid, teenager, in my twenties, into my thirties. I mean, Christmas has always been a magical time uh, until I got divorced and my family was fractured and we got uh, divorced in uh, October of 2019. And then two months later, I mean, you're into Christmas. Right. And, you know, I went back to my former house that I had lived in, that I had paid for. (laughs) I had to knock on the door. I had to be invited in. Uh, Someone was sitting in my chair at the table. I hung out for an hour while my kids opened presents. I went home and I I cried on Christmas Day, you know? Caught up with you. Yes. And now it's been a recurring theme these last few years because... So that was Christmas 2019. By Christmas 2020, I was in a relationship, and then I felt like things were kind of back on track. I had a little family unit and all that. Same for 21. So I had like two years where I kind of felt like holidays were back on track for me. But then last year, you know, the epic, terrible breakup thing happened with my fiance, and I was alone at the holidays last year. And then, you know, Dottie and I broke up uh, two months ago or whatever it was at this point, a month ago. So now here we are rolling back into the holidays again. Uh, I didn't have a Thanksgiving this year. Uh, first of all, I had COVID, but that wasn't even, I wasn't going to have a Thanksgiving anyway. I, I, I came to find out. I was uh, invited to a Thanksgiving that wasn't even a real thing. You know, my ex-wife, she was like, hey, Thanksgiving, we're going to do some uh, make your own pizza and stuff. Come on over. Uh, turns out they were doing the real Thanksgiving the next day, and I wasn't invited to that one. So um, spent Thanksgiving alone with COVID, uh, and now I'm rolling into the holidays for Christmas. And uh, yeah, I mean, my kids will come over and we'll have a nice time. But I don't like being single at the holidays now that I'm this stage of life, being a dad and all that stuff. So for yeah, sure. I've learned firsthand that the holidays can definitely suck for people. There's a there's a, and and your situation is not unique. You know, uh, there's a lot of people sure. obviously going through that. And then uh, I guess when I started to get older and think about, oh, parents that are missing, stuff like that, like uh, the holidays can be a big bummer, (laughs) you know, thinking about people that are not here anymore, stuff like that. And just, I mean, it's a reflective time that you think about stuff and we're supposed to be grateful. Uh, That's supposedly the magic of Christmas is that we find generosity to others and we're grateful for what we have, all that kind of stuff. But uh, a lot of Christmas is a big old bitch. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, if you have a history of uh, doing well at Christmas time with a company bonus or whatever, and then one, the old Clark Griswold thing, one year you don't have a bonus or you're unemployed this year and now you can't buy gifts and like, yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a catch-22. So, What do you think happens with the uh, suicide rate uh, around the holidays? I would assume it spikes quite dramatically. Spikes quite dramatically. So there always is that uh, suicide hotline and people that uh, want to hear from you if you're not doing so well in the holiday times. Those of you that will be getting together with people, uh, there's a lot of uncomfortable conversations, whether they're about politics or just like uh, life stuff in general. You know what I mean? Yes. And I will tell you, I was talking to my dad today about some of this uh, seasonal depression kind of stuff going on. And he said something to me that annoyed the crap out of me. It's <laughs> something people have said before. And this sets up the the thing we're going to talk about today. We, uh, Nick and I have a list of some common expressions that, you know, you, you may have a good intention saying it, but people actually might actually find it to be very annoying or offensive that you've said it. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, I've been having some health issues. I've been having love life issues. I've been having work issues. Like I've been going through a lot of stuff of late. And my dad told me today, you know, hey, it could always be worse. It could always <laughs> be worse. 
Which is, like you said, that's meant to be, you know, put things in perspective and to kind of rah-rah, you're going to be all right. I understand the sentiment behind it. That, you know, hey, look at the positive is basically what that, I guess, is trying to say. Sure. But it is so dismissive of you and your feelings because, okay, um, you know, my dog died today. Okay, well, the guy down the street, his uh, grandfather died today. So he's got it worse than you. But the guy on the other side of town, his son died today. Someone else, they had two kids die today in a car. Of course, it could always be worse. Of course. <laughs> so does that mean unless I had 10 kids die today, I'm not allowed to be sad or share that I'm upset or it could always be worse. You know, you got two legs still. Yeah, great. Okay, oh, sure. We, you know what? Worse. Like I said, that's a wrap up sort of comment that you should make at the end of a long discussion, <laughs> you know, uh, just to try and say like it's going to be okay but yeah you should not compare your pain or someone else's pain to you if you're feeling pain you should go through it and And my dad is a veteran of therapy and it is a therapeutic principle that all pain is relative yeah if my cat dies and your grandma dies is it worse than your grandma dies of course but we're both still in pain there's no metric for it you can't say yours is a nine and mine's an eight so i should shut up Right. Well, yeah, yeah. At, at least your dad didn't use one phrase that is the ultimate dismissive phrase. Yeah. Which is? It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's, if, that, if, that, if that doesn't scream, I don't give a F what you just said. Right. Nothing else will. Yeah. You know, yeah. I laugh because the first thing on my list on the, the uh, these are, uh, you know, things people say that annoy the hell out of other people. It, it is what it is. Is the oh, first thing on my God, list. God, I hate that. So funny, dude. Because you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I've said it before and I only have said it when I don't know what else to say. Yes. I was going to say, I, I am, I, I'm I, dismissing it. I mean, it is what it is. What do you want me to do? Yes. I use that expression a lot too. And, I've had other people tell me that they don't like it, but I don't mean to be dismissive. It's just like you said, like, I don't know what else to do. It is what it is. Like you, you have to accept the things you can't control in this world. So I got diagnosed with cancer. It is what it is. Like I can't (laughs) can't fight that. I'm going to go do something about it, but it is what it is. Yeah, and I think it's okay if we say that to ourselves. Like, it is what it is. But a Brewski right. came and he was like, I, I, I just got diagnosed with cancer. We're like, yeah. hey, it, it is what it is. Right. That's fair. I think that's a good distinction. You can say that about yourself. Don't ever say that to someone else. You know? right. Yeah, exactly. My dog died. Oh, it is what it is. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> so funny, dude. The yeah. first one on uh, on my list is it's just who I am. I hate it when people excuse bad behavior by saying stuff like that. It's just who I am. You know, you were a real dick last night. Eh, It's just who I am. I'm just, you know, it's just who I am. It's an excuse to cover rude behavior. It's kind of like saying, hey, I don't want to be offensive, but, well, you're about to be offensive. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't say it otherwise. (laughs) If you've identified a character flaw in someone and they're like, it's just who I am. Well, that's not good, dude. I mean, that's a lot lot of people. uh, And I've noticed this uh, on dating apps and that sort of thing. A lot of women will say, I have no filter. Uh, I'm brutally honest. Right. But, But they say that as if it's something to be proud of. And I'm thinking to myself, so you're basically wanting for people to say it's okay that you're an a-hole. Yeah, you're rude like, and you don't have compassion for people. You're just uh, saying it like it is. I just say it like it is. Yes. Yeah, and you should say, okay, you, you know what? I'll always be honest with you. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll always give you the honest truth. But when you start saying I have no filter or I'm brutally honest, well, that just tells me that you don't care about others and you just want to say whatever you want to say and justify exactly. doing it. 
Agreed. You can tell someone a harsh truth and do it gently or politely. You don't have to just be like, hey, man, I'm a little worried that you, you seem like maybe you're gaining a little weight and I'm just worried. About, you don't have to say, hey, you're a fat bastard. What's your problem? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Right. All that but, Steve, he has no filter. Wow. Right. Uh, yeah. It's uh, another one I saw in a lot of the dating stuff that always is similar thing. Someone that would say, um, if you can't accept me at my uh, worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Uh, that is a just another way of saying, like, when I'm a big raging a-hole, you better put up with me or you don't get me when I'm being nice to you. Yes. Like, well, why do you have I to will, be at your worst with me? And why is your worst so worst? <laughs> they always say that, that that's something that Marilyn Monroe said. That's where it's attributed to. Okay. But whenever I see a woman say that, nine times out of ten when I have experience with those women, they're crazy. Like just yes. stupid, nuts, yeah. crazy. It's the and, warning sign, dude, that I am yeah. going to be a royal bitch. And I'll be yeah, nice yeah. once in a while, but you don't get that if you can't put up with that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I would say if you don't have my back when I'm at my worst, then you don't deserve me when I'm at my best. But to just say you should tolerate me when I'm at my worst, no matter what I say or do to you, that's obviously yeah. just trying to dismiss your <laughs> your unfiltered a-holeness. Yeah. Next one on my list here is a very similar. Hey, I'm not racist, but... <laughs> it's yes. just like what i was just saying like i don't want to be offensive but i'm not racist but i don't like black people <laughs> like right you're about to be racist if you have to say <laughs> anytime there's a but i mean come on dude right uh the next one on my list kind of holds hands with that last one of harnesses it's i don't judge people and hey, let's be frank we all judge people as part of being oh. people dude we all judge each other Come Absolutely. On. I wouldn't I wouldn't give that up for, for anything in the world. And by no. the way, saying I don't judge other people, you are now judging other people because you're saying, hey, you judge people, but I don't judge other people. So I'm passing <laughs> right. judgment on you. <laughs> for you're an awful person for doing that. hundred percent, <laughs> right. dude. And come on, maybe you could say like, oh, I don't judge people for certain behaviors, but we all judge people. Let's be very clear about that. We do it each and every day, and it comes into our decision-making skills of who to hire at work and who to fire right. at work and, you know, uh, how to treat your family, whatever. We judge people nonstop all the time. It's part yes. of living life. I hear it all the time with the women in my car. Especially the the twenty somethings. Oh yeah. my God! There's like three of them in the backseat, three women, and they're yeah. just like da -da -da -da, going on and on about this this woman and that woman that they know, and she's just a bad friend and all that other stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's trying to put a rosy spin on things. Uh, otherwise, none of us would denounce Hitler. Like we've all judged Hitler and have agreed he's bad. That's yeah. judging him. <laughs> so you know that is a normal thing. You know, like where where would Wapner be, dude, without judging? You know, <laughs> come on. Right. Yeah. That must be the worst profession in the world. How dare you judge me? Everything happens for a reason. Everything uh, happens for a reason. Sorry. Sorry your grandma died, but everything happens for a reason. Uh, Does it? Okay. Uh, I want to know if you believe that. Do you believe that? I don't think everything happens for a reason. It leads to cause and events and whatnot. I mean, there's a trickle that happens after every event, but yeah. does it happen for a reason? That implies some sort of divine intervention or fate is predetermined, which... You know, there's some nuance in there. Some things I, I don't believe in fate. I don't believe our fate is predetermined, but I do believe the universe gives us signs, points you in a direction occasionally. And if you're paying attention, you see those signs. So maybe you're going to go down a path that, you know, you're choosing to go down to. But is your fate predetermined to something bad? That's a way to justify bad things happening. A school bus oh, sure. full of kids blows up. Well, one of them is going to be the next Hitler. So, you know, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's just no. a way to make you feel better. Coupled with that, here's another one for you. 
It's all part of God's plan. F you, yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. but, but I mean, it's the same thing. Like everything happens for a reason. Yeah. It's the same sort of thing, you know? I understand the good sentiment. It's like what my dad said. It, there's a good sentiment behind it. Everything happens for a reason. It's trying to give you some faith, some hope to hold on for that this will turn out. Someday I'll look back. It is like the movie Signs, by the way, M. Night Shyamalan. Like Mel Gibson's character goes through a huge tragedy. His wife dies, but it happened for a reason. Because if she hadn't died, he wouldn't have been able to save his family eventually. It's a nice story. Is that how life works for all of us, for all the bad things in this world? I don't think so, no. I would like to think uh, we would just change it to everything happens. Right. <laughs> because, I mean, everything happens. Yeah, this happens. That happens. I don't know if there's a reason. It is what it is. It, but. <laughs> what about everything falls apart? I mean, you know. Yeah. Good things fall apart. That's the only factual thing I've ever been told in life. Yes. Yeah. There's warranties on things for a reason. So. Another one that your uh, dad has shared with you as of recent that you shared with me is this too shall pass. Do you like it or hate it? Uh I don't like it. Uh, Why? Well, of course, everything will pass. Uh, time ticks forward. I understand the concept. Uh, of course, <laughs> we'll get to a new, you know, uh, something new will happen. But, yeah. you know, I've gone through four years of some pretty crappy things, and I'm waiting for the pendulum to swing the other way. Yeah. So I'm losing a little bit of faith in, like, oh, everything will, you know, this too shall pass. Like, yeah, I'll die. Uh, something's going to happen. <laughs> but there's an implication that, again, it's happening for a reason or that you'll be happier once X, Y, or Z happens. And it's not always the way life works for everyone. Sometimes these, life sucks for years and years and years and maybe forever. These are what I call the uh, red bows of conversation. These are things that people do to wrap up conversation. Right. This too shall pass. <laughs> I mean, it's so dismissive to just say, like, I know you're going through it now, but it's going to pass. Keep your head up. You know, stuff like that. Yes. And I say that. I say all these. I've said all these things to people before. Oh, we all have. Sure. And they, 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 again, the sentiment is good. But my dad recently said that to me. This too shall pass. And I said, okay, let me tell Tom Hanks when he's stuck on that island going insane, talking to a volleyball that, hey, one of these days you're going to get rescued. Like, statistically, someone's going to find you one of these days. In the meantime, you're alone on an island talking to a volleyball. So enjoy your insanity. But someday. <laughs> perk up. Perk right. up. Someday, dude. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe 10 years. Who knows? That almost is more torture. Like, oh, someday it's going to pass? Yeah. Uh, this is a newer statement that we've just been hearing over the last, you know, four or five years. I'm anti-woke. Uh, I don't even understand what that means. I'm anti-woke. I'm anti-being progressive, caring about other people. That's the old, I don't mean to be a dick, but, you know, right. that's what yeah. saying I'm anti-woke is. Yeah, that goes along with uh, what you were talking about earlier. You're anti-woke. Oh, I'm just, I am who I am. You know, uh, right. oh, I'll always give you the honest truth. Like, these racist, people are bastards, dude. We've seen I, so many Republicans be asked to define what woke is, and they don't even understand what it is. It's become a catchphrase. I'm anti-woke because you think that is a positive thing to say. Yeah. But. Do you just walk away from the conversation? Because I do. I mean, I'm not going to argue with an idiot. Oh, so most I, likely, yes. I would just be like, oh, have a good night, dude. Or just <laughs> discuss know? the weather or something. Like, you know, that, that conversation's not going anywhere positive, so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like Howard Stern recently said, like, if you're anti-woke, I guess that means you're asleep. And I don't want to be asleep. So why yeah. would I want to be pro-woke or, you know, or whatever it is? Yeah. yeah, we don't have anything in common, dude. Come on. Yes. Um, I think I've said this one before. I don't know. Can't you take a joke? 
Just joking. Yes. Oh. You said that, dude. Of course. I mean, Matthew yeah. Perry, when everyone got upset about me making fun of him, and well, Nick was worse, actually. But when we were <laughs> like, we're joking. Can't Don't judge me, dude. Like, take it down a notch, please. There, I think there are some scenarios where you do have to be able to say that. It's like, come on. I'm just joking. Well, Can we not? I have this conversation with my kids. They get a little politically correct on me every now and again. And I've had to tell them, like, guys, it's us. It's our family circle. I'm not doing this at the PTA meeting. Like, can't. it's okay to joke about some things, okay? Don't be I'm so not serious. being racist in public. This is just the dinner well, no. table, kids. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, but the, th- the thing about that, though, is that too many people use that phrase, again, to rationalize bad behavior. Yes. Like, whenever mm-hmm. Trump or any of these other people say something really awful and then they get they get blowback on it they're like oh i was just joking you took that seriously i was just joking it's just their way of not taking responsibility and taking ownership of what they said yeah very fair i think it does depend on the setting and it's one thing for a comedian on stage to say something offensive versus a politician in front of a crowd like the comedian you know as we've said on the show a hundred times like comedians have a little wider berth as far as what they can joke about because they're jokers as are we so i feel like we have a little more you know slack that should be cut for us but yeah if you're a a elected official if you're uh, the head of the pta then you know you probably shouldn't be joking about some things (laughs) yeah there's a time and a place right uh, I've said it to my wife a million times when I've said something that I thought was real funny and maybe hurt her feelings a little bit, or you know, it's just it's you took that seriously. Uh, I'm Come sorry. On. I was just joking, dude. Relax. I'm sorry. Yep. Uh, how about this one, dude? Uh, trust me, I'm a good person. Hmm. Mm. Says the guy getting you into the van. <laughs> right, dude. I mean, is that an immediate red flag? Trust, trust me, dude. I'm a good person. Relax. Well, getting back to the dating world, um, I can't tell you how many women I have told, like, listen, I'm one of the good ones, but one of the bad ones would tell you that. So you're just going to have to <laughs> give it the time to see for yourself. Like, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm, I am one of the good ones, but time will have to prove that. Yeah. Let's get coffee. Right. <laughs> you be the judge. Your coffee right there. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, again, like Bruce was saying, you know, evil people can uh, use that as an excuse for bad behavior, but... Yeah. It's tough. If you're a good person, should you have to tell someone that? <laughs> should you have to announce it? <laughs> Dude, if, yeah, if I met somebody at a Christmas party and they said these statements that we're talking about right now, I would run. I mean, and, and I like I said, I've said them before. So how many people have run from, from me? Right. Yeah. No, for sure. That, in that same vein, Steve, I, I always find it funny when there are guys who are overly feminist. You know what I mean? So yeah, uh, like yeah. they go out of their way to to, show, to say to women, "Oh, I, I support feminism absolutely." Because you don't and, know if it's sincere or not is the problem. Yeah, exactly. Right. They're, they're just trying to they're just trying to get in your pants, and they think they think that, mm. that it, when they have to go through all that trouble to tell you just how much of a feminist they are, can you really trust them? Yeah, yeah that should be That's something that shines through in your actions, right? You don't yeah, have exactly. to say that, but uh, it does create a problem though for the good guy or for the feminist, like. You know, I can't apparently announce that because that's what the sociopath would tell you. So now I sound like the crazy guy, but I'm just trying to tell you I'm progressive. I'm pro woman. Like, but now you sound crazy. (laughs) Such a catch 22. So you just got to show people with your actions and then they'll know. That's an important principle I've learned in therapy of late. You got to judge people not on their words, but on their actions. And uh, that's a really interesting concept because I spent two years with a woman who always said the right thing, but did the wrong thing. And when she would do the wrong thing, I would always think, but she said she was going to do the right thing. So shouldn't I take faith in what she said? And my therapist has explained, no, 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 no. 
the words matter, but the actions matter more. So how do you be able to tell with if you spin that into the opposite vein of like when they're saying bad stuff and they're treating you <laughs> treating you great? Well, <laughs> you know? I, I think it's kind of like when you're in your group of friends, you may make a sexist joke or something that you wouldn't make amongst others, but your actions in society are pro-woman or whatever it is. You know so, who I am. Come on. Right. You have to get to know someone well enough that that shouldn't have to be announced. Like, obviously, you know, I'm joking if I make some dumb joke about a woman or we're all, you know, you know me. Yeah. But you can't show up to a, a mixer and start making these. Hey, I'm a good guy. Trust me. I'm allowed to make these. <laughs> <sexy jokes." laughs> oh, that's funny. That'd be a funny thing to do, dude. Just, just roll into a mixer and just start being misogynist and be like, dude, I'm joking. I love women. Well, you know, George Carlin had a great bit. They said he wanted to walk into now headquarters and say, which one of you cupcakes wants to take me home? Cook me dinner and give me a blowjob. <laughs> what was the punchline? What was his point? <laughs> no joke. It was just oh, okay. his pickup line. Yeah, that's good. All right. uh, Next one on my list. These are uh, annoying things people say. I say this one a lot. I'm going to read their explanation as to why they think this is bad. But um, please. Uh, I have OCD. Oh. This phrase seems to have become a new trend. Using OCD to describe your cleanliness trivializes the true meaning of a mental health condition. Now, I do get that, and I will tell you, my my most recent ex, she had told me something of, she mentioned something like, like, I'm a little ADD or something like that. I don't remember what it was. It wasn't that one, but it was something like that. And I said, like, are you saying that conversationally, or did somebody diagnose you that way? Right. And there is a distinction. Like, if you've truly been diagnosed with OCD or ADD or ADHD or any of that stuff, then okay. But, you know, I'm very anal. I'm very cleansly with things. I like things in my place. And I often will say, like, I'm a little OCD. Can you not put that? That It, it lives there. It doesn't live over right. there. Right. No one's ever diagnosed me with OCD. I'm not trying to be dismissive of it. But I do feel like I have some OCD tendencies. And you guys And that's the, that's what you're supposed to say. I think is the correct thing to say is to say, I have some OCD tendencies. tendencies. Yeah. But, Howie Mandel, there's been a spot recently on television. It's a medication for people with OCD, and he addresses the whole thing where, have you ever been around somebody who just says, you know, I'm OCD, and it's kind of flippant, and they don't mean that they actually have a serious mental condition. It's, it's just more, like Steve said, conversationally. There's a lot of comments like that. If I'm not OCD and you say I'm kind of I'm OCD, like I'm not going to take any offense to it because I don't have that diagnosis and it doesn't the yeah. distinction between you and a diagnosed person doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh there's some other phrases like that that can be odd. I think people in general can use oh, I have PTSD very liberally yeah yeah. uh uh, we've heard a lot over the last five years you know that you know that triggers me and that used to mean something like oh yeah i can understand why that would do that but it's been blown out of proportion with people like you know it's triggering me so much for stupid stuff right when you're really triggered by something we could understand that but when you just use it so blase it yeah. i mean it loses its meaning it does it's been co-opted i think by the society in general but um, yeah i would honestly think i don't know i have so many things in my therapy to-do list that i don't have time for this but i think <laughs> if i asked my therapist to give me some sort of ocd assessment i would end up somewhere on that spectrum of it probably 
Uh, I'll agree with that as your best friend, dude. (laughs) I will tell you, I never used to think anything like that of myself until I read, I don't remember if it was Private Parts or Miss America, but Howard Stern has some pretty severe OCD tendencies. I don't know. I think he was diagnosed from his, you know, shrink or whatever. Yeah. He started describing stuff that I did in my youth and I had never realized that that was weird or bad or different that not everyone did that. It wasn't until I read someone else's diagnosed OCD tendencies where I was like, Oh boy, I, I do those things too. That's really weird. I had yeah. a whole thing about odd and even numbers for a long time. I still do to some extent, but I like even numbers. Odd numbers really bothered me. And I had this thing in middle school, probably around eighth grade that it got really bad. And I just one day had to snap myself out of it. I was cognizant enough to realize like, this is not good. What I would do was if I was reading a book, I would count the number of letters in words. And, and have the, to have it end up on a five even, on even. Oh, it has to even. end in an even number. Okay. So if it's if the word is four, F O U R, F O U R is four letters. Perfect. I feel okay. I can go on to the next word. But if it was F O R, that's three letters. That bothers me. So now I have to add it to the next word. If the next word was the three letters, now it's six. Now that's even. Now it's okay. But if it kept mm. adding up to, uh, I realized at some point, like I'm not reading. I'm just sitting here counting letters until they add up to even increments. It was disturbing. Yeah. And I had to just be like, this is not healthy. Like I was aware enough to snap myself out of it, but it took real effort to stop counting the numbers of letters and words and adding them up. I was doing it on billboards. I mean, it would drive me nuts if there was an expression and it ended in an odd number of letters. Like you didn't and like Stern it. had the same thing. And it, it wasn't until I read him saying it that I realized, like, oh boy, I, mean, I did the problem. same thing as a young adult and a kid, but mine was different. I would read words and if they didn't end, I would start on my thumb. And if the words didn't end on my pinky, I would read it again and start on the next finger. And, <laughs> and I'd keep reading it until it ended on my pinky. Interesting. See, yeah. That's definitely an OCD tendency, at least. So. And I had to really think hard, like, just get out of your head. You got to stop doing that. You got to stop doing that, too. Yeah. Thanks. Well, that's interesting. I did TV volume, by the way. I don't leave it on an odd number unless it ends in five. I'm okay with five. That's the odd number I'm okay with. But I, you know, I've had girlfriends do that. They'll put it to 13 and I'll grab the remote and just go 14. Like, no, don't leave it on 13 or 17. Just go up one, please. Just <laughs> make it so easy. harness. You do. You have some stuff like that. You got any stuff like that, Brewski? Not really. Yeah, Brewski's normal. <laughs> no, 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 no. Believe me. I mean, Who would have thought Brewski was the normal one on the show? I, got, I, I, mean, I have things like where. I like things a certain way. Once I get set in a routine wherever I work, yeah. if you if you deviate from that, yeah. then I'll correct the behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's a little uh, bit then. Yeah. That's it. What about I don't like drama? Do you like it when people say that? Does it bother you? Yeah, who does like drama? Unless you're watching a play. <laughs> well, I mean, there's yeah. certain I mean, come on. Let's think about this. We like mm-hmm. a little drama, don't we? We don't like drama that affects us per se, but we like drama, right? We, well, yes, we certainly like an inter- entertainment. Uh, movies would be boring without any drama in them. Um, but I, you know, we kind of do unique things. Having this podcast, we do judge people on this podcast. We do make inappropriate jokes and we do like drama because we can talk about it and highlight it and make fun with it or sympathize with it. So yeah, I don't know. Sure. So for us, I maybe we're a slight exception, but who likes drama? Cause there's a negative connotation to that statement. Like I don't need your drama. And a lot of the times I don't need your drama. <laughs> so oh, yeah. yeah, I don't like that. Dude, you know what's funny is that I grew up, uh, I think I had a 
pretty perfect childhood as far as being raised by parents. There wasn't a lot of drama and yelling and screaming in the house. Uh, mm. When I met my wife, she had the opposite of that situation. And she was an older person when we got married. And she worked very hard in therapy and with herself. Drama made her comfortable because she knew what uh. the outcome was going to be. If she if she made right. drama, she knew that chaos comforted her in some way. And it took her, yeah. you know, therapy and to get out of that. So some people thrive off drama. And luckily, she doesn't feel that way anymore. But she did for a long time, dude. Yeah. Upbringings are all relative. Because I always thought I had a very normal upbringing. But then you get older and you realize how you're raising your kids. You look back on yours. Or I've had some family skeletons come out of the closet that I never knew were happening when I was a little kid. I thought everything was perfectly harmonious. I had no idea that one parent was doing this or that or, you know, so it is. And it's kind of like um, a lot of people like being depressed, quote unquote, like it because yeah. they know what it feels like. It's normal right. to them. Comfortable. Yeah. They don't want to get out of what they know. So it's a similar right. thing to what you're saying. You know, Rachel grew up around chaos. So there was some normalcy to that to her because it's all. Yeah. Right. And it is funny, dude. I had the hardest time well into my adult life. Even, I mean, Rachel and I have been married for 15 years now. Probably just like eight years, nine years ago, I started being able to admit that there were faults in the way I was raised and with my family. Mm. Uh, I viewed it as so perfect. And if you said anything to the contrary, it really upset me. And uh, I was talking to my brother one day and telling him, you know, we were having a conversation about, oh, she says this is weird and this is not normal. And he was like, it's not. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? You think that? And it took him, someone in my family saying that to be to pop me out of it and be like, oh, yeah, I guess everything wasn't normal. It was normal to me, but it wasn't normal. You know what I mean? What is normal? You know? yeah, that's a good question, dude. Uh, we're talking about things that are uh, common expressions that actually can drive other people crazy. Um, I feel like I've experienced this one of late. I have a new perspective on this one. Uh, this is a cliche. It's it's not you, it's me. Yeah. You know, common in a breakup. It's not you, it's me. And I think it's become a cliche because it's a bull-loney thing that someone says. Like, obviously, it's me if you're breaking up with me, but... Um, I don't know. I've learned of late because, you know, the way my most recent relationship ended, like nothing had happened. It wasn't, I didn't do anything, but you know, my person has become overwhelmed with their life and their problems and their single motherhood and their financial problems at school. And she's sure. overwhelmed. She's not capable of being in a relationship. Like she's right. She said that it's not you, it's me. And I actually believe it in that scenario. Yeah. I've had other women say that where I'm like, no, it's definitely me. But (laughs) (laughs) I think that one has to be used responsibly because it can be such a cop out to try and save someone's feelings and move aside. But you're right. I mean, sometimes it is to be like, it's not what you're doing. It's it's me and how I feel and what I'm going through right now. So I'm going to step aside. So you just got to be careful with how you use it. Have you ever used this one? It's not me. It's you. I don't like you anymore. <laughs> I feel like that's what I've heard several times in life. Like, no, it's definitely you. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with you anymore. So. Yeah. What do you think of uh, I'm a lion in a world of sheep? Oh, that's alpha male bravado baloney, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, dude. Come on. Who's going to say that? Somebody who wants attention. I heard that recently. Most recently, there's a quarterback at uh, USC named Caleb Williams. He won the Heisman Trophy last year, 
And this year he was the clear front runner and all that sort of thing. And he's had a poor season. And when he got called out on the stuff by the press and, and fans, he's, he tried that whole thing where, you know, yeah, lions don't listen to what the sheep have to say. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. it's an excuse for uh, your bad behavior. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, you, you shouldn't have to say that if you didn't do something dumb. So on a uh, similar topic, try this one with your, uh, your girlfriend, your uh, wife, whatever, next time, uh, calm down when you're in the middle of an argument. <laughs> you need to calm down. Just calm yeah. down. It's the only that thing that's, that's kept me married, dude. You, and so you need to tell her to calm down quite a bit. It works really well. Uh, I can tell you. You're hysterical. You're reminding me of your mom right now. Will you just calm down? <laughs> you need to take a breath. You're acting crazy. Like, just give it a minute. They always snap right out of it, don't they? Yeah, like, oh, you're crazy. right. Oh, yeah. boy. I just do need to calm down. I, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Let us know how it works out. I used to say that to Jen. You know what? I'm just going to go get myself a drink and a Valium. And, and <laughs> right, not 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 we're not focused on her why she's angry and why she's hysterical. I just say it about myself and walk away. I um, need or, this, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But my, my ultimate favorite, my all time favorite, is she's like yelling and screaming at me. Even if I could hear everything she was saying, I'd pretend like I didn't hear her. And then she she'd say my name a couple of times. I'm like, oh, did you say something? <laughs> Yeah. That, that one worked just antagonizing you. Yeah. Yes. I can't tell you how many times I've had a woman say, like, I don't think you're listening. And I'm like, what would you say? I'm obviously <laughs> yeah. listening. But that joke never lands well. I don't know. No, <laughs> I, know. I can't imagine it would, dude. How many times have you been in a fight in your relationship? Here's the thing. I won't say to Rachel, you're acting crazy, right? Because I know what the outcome is going to be. <laughs> yeah. But how many times in your relationship and fights that you've been having there is a tipping point where, like, you know what? If we're still fighting and it's been 45 minutes, I may have to say it. You're acting crazy. And I know I'm lighting the match and right. things are going to explode. <laughs> but I got to say it at some point, right? I feel you get pushed to that point, yes. And right. I've certainly been there uh, a dozen and one times. Yeah, but no, it does no good whatsoever. Like, For sure. It's just like when the woman tells you, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm totally fine. You just used the word fine three times, so right. yeah, we're not fine. fine. Totally fine. Right. So, yeah, don't tell me crazy, dude. Uh, she's called me crazy more than once. You're acting crazy, and it doesn't hit the same way when you say it to a woman. Why is that? Why can she call me crazy, and I don't automatically be like, what what did you just say <laughs> i'll be like yeah i am acting a little crazy right now dude dude it's because they're crazy <laughs> <laughs> women are freaking crazy okay i'm what gonna is, say it all right yeah you know, steve has a great thing that he came up with about uh taxes and women do you remember what it is steve Oh, I was talking about, yeah, <laughs> I was recently talking about women and the IRS. I said they both want the same thing, your money and your soul. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I think he's ready for a new relationship. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I feel like. You just want my money and my my soul, my will to live. <laughs> the IRS wants it. Women want it. That's, that's what they want. So, yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, women are crazy. I'm not saying men aren't, but uh, women are crazy. Okay, You just got to find the shade of crazy that you can deal with. Or It's about your puzzle pieces matching up. Do your crazies coincide or do the uh, pieces butt egg? You know, there's no way they're going to fit together. It's a yeah. good way to look at it. We're all crazy. Can we coexist in a crazy relationship? I have said many times in the last four years after a lot of therapy that nobody is perfect, but some people are perfect for each other. 
Yeah. See the distinction there. You're not a perfect person. I'm not a perfect person. But if I find my missing puzzle piece, we're perfect together. Yeah. Uh, yin yeah, yang. That's true. Right. But yeah, none of us perfect. How do you feel about people uh, telling you how much money they make? Ugh. Yeah, I don't know that that happens a lot in my life. Um, but you're a douchebag. If I mean, unless it's a close relative and you're talking about your taxes or something significant. And yeah. I will tell you, my uh, my firstborn is uh, just finished all of her college applications, and she came to me and she was like, "I hate to have to even ask you this. This is so embarrassing, but I have to put on this application. Well, how much money do you make every year?" That's a solid point, dude. Because when I was growing up. I didn't know how much my parents made. No. It was never talked about, no. right? No. Nor do I. I mean, I don't know anyone who I've ever said. I mean, there must be in some tight business confine, maybe, or with your accountant or something. But yeah, that was, it was uncomfortable to tell my kid how much I make and what is, how'd she take that? Do you think I make a lot? Do I make a little? Like, right. Are you judging me? <laughs> right. I can't think of a good setting where you should be telling people what you're making. What's the, what's the positive scenario that that is, you know? Yeah. Well, again, you could just show people with your actions, dude. You know, right. pull your pants down and show them what you're wearing. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. I'll show you what, I, what I'm wearing. <laughs> uh, we're talking again about uh, common expressions that actually are just annoying people. Uh, this is another one that I feel like it, it depends on the context you're using this. Um, and it's relatively new. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Now, if you're uh. using that again to cover up <laughs> douchebag things you're saying, then that's rude. But if I'm like, you know, listen, I think two gay guys should be able to get married. Sorry, not sorry. Like, you know. Right. That's a tough one because you it is you're just kind of throwing it in someone's face. Like, I know you want me to apologize, so I'll say I'm sorry, but I'm not. You know, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's kind of a, why would you even have to say it? Sorry, not sorry. You're just excusing your behavior or you could say it just like Steve did. I'm not. You're basically saying at that point, I'm not sorry. Yeah. You're saying I'm standing my ground. I know I'm going to stand by what I said. Sorry, not sorry. I agree uh, that the gay guys should be able to get married. You know, Russia shouldn't be invading Ukraine. Sorry, not sorry. Screw Russia. Yeah. You know, like, you know, but if you're just like, yeah, I think Mexicans are lazy. Sorry, not sorry. Like, you, know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, not okay. Which, which goes back to I'm not racist, but right. Right. Exactly. There's a recurring theme here about covering up douchebagginess with some of these things. But yeah, yeah you be a, a there's context person. where it can be a douchebag, but other times, no. Uh, what's the first thing you think of when you hear someone tell you uh, I'm an empath? Does it bother you? I'm an empath. I don't even um, know if I know it. You're, you're empathetic. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have an opinion. I don't know. I've never heard someone say I'm an empath. Is this a common expression? Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's fairly common with, you know, you'll hear it a lot when people are, uh, you know, describing themselves like, oh, you know, oh, uh, you know, that hit me really hard. I'm a, I'm an empath, you know, so mm. I feel everything. I take everything in, you know, like, uh, I'm having a hard time right now. I'm, I'm an empath. So yeah. I've heard it in, in kind of a way where um, like a new agey woman into crystals and all that sort of thing. She get in my car and she's talking about how there's this aura about me. I'm an empath. I can see these things. Mm -hmm. So whenever I hear that, I always think of all that kind of, you know, the woo woo crystal new agey stuff, you know? 
This one says countless former members admit that if you tell them you're an empath, they will immediately dismiss you as toxic. A lot of people suggested that it's often a mask of narcissism. That's hilarious you just said that because the example I was going to give is uh, the Hindenburg always used to tell me how empathetic she was for other people. But she was the most <laughs> self-centered, narcissistic person I've ever known. Well, and she was just go. projecting, saying, oh, I'm empathetic. No, you're judging the crap out of everyone, and you're looking down your nose at them. So you may think that's empathy, but it's not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, empathy doesn't work if you don't actually show somebody or show up uh, to show them that you care. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, if you, you weaponize it, it's no good. Uh, somebody told me this recently about uh, people doing favors for you, and it, it, and it hit me right in my mm -hmm. core because I had this conversation with my wife a while ago about a certain member of my family who was like, you know, I'm always here. You know, anytime you need something, you just let me know. And these favors happen when it's very convenient for that person. They don't ever have to go out of their way or, you know, make <laughs> adjustments in what they're doing. Uh, they said that's not really a favor. And that just exploded my help. mind. That Say was what my therapist said, told me. I, I had some medical issues. We'll talk about one of these days on the show recently. And uh, I was in a bad, bad situation. I was stranded at my house and I desperately needed help. And the only adult in this town that I know is my ex-wife. And I reached out to her and I was like, I'm in a really bad situation. I need some help. And she said, uh, I'll come help you tomorrow afternoon. 24 hours later, she just left me in despair and misery for 24 hours. And my therapist said, it's not help if you do it when it's convenient for you. It's a favor if you say, hey, I'm free Saturday right. and I'll go do that thing for you. But yes. it's not help if you're only doing it when it's convenient for you. It's yes. Part of the definition of help is I'm going to drop what I'm doing and come assist you because you are in need. Yeah. If you're only doing it when it's convenient for you, that's not help. You're doing yes. a favor, a best case scenario, you know. A hundred percent, dude. And I was having this conversation with Rachel and telling her like uh, about this specific person in my life where I was like, you know what? I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it to make a point is that whenever I have asked for you, you have never been inconvenienced to come and do something for me when I needed it. And you know what? I prove your love to me, dude. I want at some point in time, I want you to be inconvenienced and show up for me. Because right. I think it's a proof of how much you actually care about me. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yes. So, I'm, yeah. I'm living that right now. So, yes. Yeah. I've had some illumination in my life of late <laughs> as to yeah. who actually has your back versus, you know, everyone always says, if you're in trouble, you call me 24-7. And then you call that person <laughs> and they're like, I'm busy. I have plans. Yeah, kind of. Well, then, then you're not that person then. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't say things that you can't back up. That's the only people I want in my life. If you tell me something, if it comes down to that, I want you to be able to back it up. And if I needed you, then you would be right here. Do whatever it took to get there. Then you can say that stuff. But otherwise, don't give me your pleasantries. I don't want them. Totally. Uh, we're talking about common expressions that are just going to upset people. Uh, here's what did I have? Do I have to tell you never to say this to a woman? We were just talking about don't tell a woman to calm down when you're in a fight because that'll just backfire. Right. Don't ever ask a woman, are you on your period? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you something real funny. Okay. Uh, yeah. Growing up, my sister is three years older than me. And she was probably a freshman in, or maybe even a sophomore in high school. I was probably in middle school. 
we were sitting in the kitchen one day and my dad was out of town a lot. So it was usually just the three of us, my mom, my sister, and me. She was acting crazy. And I didn't know any better. I said, are you on the rag or something? <laughs> Dude, my mom slapped me so hard. <laughs> and I, I mean, she did it without even thinking. Right. And I was like, what the hell? And she was like, your mom's on her period, too. <laughs> right? She said, do not ever say that to a woman ever again. I was right. like, okay, I get it. Dude. I won't. I, yeah, I would love I, to hear the scenario where someone says that, and the woman's like, you're right, I am on my period. Let me calm down. <laughs> right, yes, yeah. She's on the blob. That's my favorite. The blob, wow. <laughs> She's on the blob. Make it sound as terrible as possible. Does that cushion the blow? <laughs> <laughs> the blob, dude. That brings up terrible imagery in my brain. Kind of kind of chunky and whatnot, you know. Clotty. Clotty. Yeah. <laughs> I don't use that really, word often. <laughs> you know, I just almost got nauseous for a second when you said that. Burke Kreischer has a great bit about his younger daughter when she got her period and oh, she yeah, called him from school. Good. Right. And he's like, she's like, Dad, it happened. He's like, what do you mean? What happened? She says, it. Like then he's like, now my wife's out of town. So my first reaction was, bitch, you promised. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. She wanted a cake for her. Uh, yeah, a red velvet know, cake. Because she was going to have a period party. <laughs> yeah, apparently that's a new thing. I did not experience that with my firstborn. But uh, yeah. I can't I, imagine, I, dude. Are you kidding I have, me? Uh, I've gotten that call, though, before. Dad, I, I, I need you know feminine products, please. I'm stuck at work or school or whatever it is. And Do right. you know what I do? I tell her, yeah, give me 24 hours and I'll come give that for you. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm watching TV right now, kid. No, I drop what I'm doing and I go, help. <laughs> <laughs> right uh what do you think about uh, i'm a boss bitch Oof, I, that's another that's like the alpha male thing like i'm a lion yeah. not a sheep like i'm a boss bitch so you're just cut out the first word and you're correct <laughs> what a you're boss just a bitch, bitch. <laughs> no okay. drop the boss oh, word you're just a bitch oh, <laughs> yeah you're just being a bitch yeah right i'm a boss bitch please and it is something's different though when a woman says i'm a boss bitch uh you know sometimes it'd be like ooh you know she's handling her stuff but if a guy yeah. were to say that like oh uh, you know a toxic masculinity I'm, I'm an ass kicker you know i do whatever you'd be like right. douchebag yeah it, yeah it's the lion versus sheep thing so yeah no mm -hmm. i totally agree uh nick i don't know if you've ever said this before or not but um don't talk to me before my morning coffee oh, is that no. a, is that a fair statement of just give me space or are you justifying your bitchiness when you wake up in the morning yeah i would never say that to anyone i i would be uh, you know what if you came to me with a problem i might say at the very most like let me get a little caffeine in me and we'll figure this out, you know, but I would never say like, don't talk to me until I've had my coffee. Right. Uh, I've seen coffee mugs that say that, like it's got yes. a, a meter on it. Like, don't talk to me until it hits this point of the cup or whatever. Like, ha, 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 fun. Coffee cups have all kinds of great sayings that can get you in trouble. When I was uh, maybe 10 years old, we used to have this thing called Secret Santa or uh, Santa's Workshop. It was basically where they would bring items into your elementary school and you could buy them. So you could buy your parents. A yeah, gift, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I bought my mother a coffee mug that said uh i keep trying to lose weight but somehow it keeps finding me i bought <laughs> it and, and, and i gave it to her for christmas and i didn't even i mean i don't even know that i knew what it meant right. you know? she was like oh thanks you, you know? called me fat nikki thank you, you. Know? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's hilarious my uh my pot 
shop here in town. I'm sure these are sold everywhere, but they have a coffee cup that has a bowl built into it so that you could, in theory, drink coffee and smoke weed out of the same device. Oh, but I don't really? actually understand how that would work because when you tip the cup to drink, aren't, isn't the weed going to like fall out or something? Yeah. Yeah. It's just maybe a novelty. I don't know if you can actually yeah. use it, right? I mean, challenge accepted. I'm going to see if I can figure it out. But yeah. I mean, yeah. why not? Seems, <laughs> seems like one would defeat the other. But Brewski, this is a good question for you. Do you remember a thing called Capsello? Capsella. Yeah, when you were a kid, you remember? Yeah, the, the 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 building things, and they were clear plastic, and yeah, they had little motors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I got well, it one year for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, I got it one year for Christmas too, and I still had it in high school. And we made a a, a self lighting bong out of it that oh, put the nice. pan in backwards so it would suck down when you were lighting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure that's what mom and dad were hoping for when they bought it for you for Christmas. <laughs> you didn't another. tell me you went. You were an interest in engineering? Yes. Yeah, no, I was always into that. Uh, this one falls into that same conversation of, like, don't tell people to trust you, but this one is, you can trust me, I'm a Christian. Uh, I think this has taken <sighs> on a whole new tone in the last five, six, seven years than it ever used to for a lot of people. But you hear people say it all the time. You can trust me, dude. I'm a God, I, I'm a God lover. I, I'm a Christian. Come on. Trust sure. me. And when has a God lover ever done anything wrong? So. Right. That's the uh, heightened version of I'm a good person, so let me tell you what to do. Like, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Narrowing it down into a controversial category that uh, has a long history of wars and molestations <laughs> and cover right. So I don't know that that's a good thing to say. It's like, I'm in the mob, so uh, listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> you can trust me. These are. <laughs> I feel like these. so many of these things are things uh, or at least branches of things that Trump says. Like, it's true. It's true. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, a lot of these are being used to uh, justify bad behavior. That seems to be the recurring theme through all of these. And, uh, yeah, as we head into the holiday season and, and beyond, this applies all year round. Like, I guess the point would be be more mindful of how you're using some of these things because there are scenarios where they can be used appropriately, I feel, but lots where they can't. Well, this too shall pass, dude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Everything happens person. for a reason. That's right. <laughs> That's right, Brisky. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we may be back before the new year, but uh, if not, we appreciate everyone for uh, the 2023 love and support. And on we go into a new year. Oh, hey, dude, this is a good question. Did we make it to 100? Is this 100? Oh, crap. Uh, that's a great question. We might be on episode 100 right now. Let me, this is our second episode, 98. No, this is episode 99. So oh, we, we have to put one more. Yeah, in. we have yeah. to do one more. So, okay, good. Good reminder. I've been trying to flag that. I totally forgot. So yeah, this is ninety nine. So let's Maybe. see if we can get one hundred done this year. If uh, it wasn't such a big night for Brewski, uh, I would say let's do a drunken New Year's Eve podcast, dude. Oof. But I uh, know that's a big night for Brewski's. Uh, oh yeah, well, I got. We don't have to record it on New Year's Eve. I mean, I guess we. Can yeah, we could always just get drunk and do the podcast. But how does that always end for someone on the show? Particularly no, you don't me. Don't go overboard, dude. Relax. <laughs> well, and a also, bit. I'm not there. I'm not there making crazy Jello shots either. That's right. right. Brewski's not going to be feeding you. No one can keep you going. You get to monitor yourself. So. Right. When we started the show on the radio years ago, we always did a year in review show, and we always did drinking games throughout it. And they, we would just get sloppy drunk, and by the end of the show, it was just debauchery. And 
of the, I don't know, five or six years we did it, I ended up in the hospital like three times <laughs> from alcohol poisoning. It was not good at all. But it was entertaining and it was fun at the time. So, yeah. Uh, we should see how well it's, it's aged into our late 40s. Early I was going to say, now it's, I'll be on Xanax next episode. So see how <laughs> I am. <laughs> you know? <laughs> All right. Well, so, yeah. we will uh, talk to you after the uh, Christmas holiday, and uh, we'll see what happens. Indeed. So, yeah, thevocalminority.net. Find us on all the social medias and spread the joy that is Nick and Steve Olabruski. Uh, say goodbye, Bruski, in a very festive type of way, if you could please. Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> goodbye, Bruski. <laughs> and we say bye bye. Test one, two, test one, two. Stop.